0: If you want to buy $100,000 in stocks, how do you buy it? $100,000 in cash. If you want to buy $100,000 in crypto, how do you buy it? $100,000 in cash. If you want to buy $100,000 in real estate, you can either put 20% down and have the bank do the other 80%. So your 20 grand controls a $100,000 asset, or you can borrow the entire thing and, and do it with no money out of pocket.
1: Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. All right. Well, welcome to the Turning Profit podcast. And today, Heather, we have a very special guest. His name is Sam Prim. And you might know him better as Sam Faster Freedom on Instagram.
0: Is that the same on TikTok? Yep. Sam Faster Freedom across all the platforms. Yep. Okay. Very good.
2: Awesome. Very good. It's funny. I was actually on Instagram a couple of days ago and was fed one of your videos. So when Pete was like telling me like all about you, I was like, oh, I already... I already know him. Like I've already seen this before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam is all over the place. You've got like a huge following online, don't you? Like, uh,
0: yeah, it's uh we actually just crossed the the 2.1 million mark. So it's been, it's been a, a crazy couple of years. I've done that in a couple of years. So it's, it's been a fun ride, challenging and frustrating and exciting and all the things.
1: So t- about two years ago, did you kind of start from scratch and then it's sort of certain content started to take off or did it, was it more of a gradual thing?
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty gradual. So most people, not most, but I would say but a lot of people on social media have a following or the blue check mark because they did something else, right? They're an actor and they got on Instagram or they're, you know, a musician and they're on TikTok and they're trying to get their music out. So usually you get your cachet somewhere else and then you have a base. So starting from nobody knowing your name, how I did a couple of years ago, had his challenges. So it was challenging at first. Uh, We can get into how I was able to kind of grow it in the time I spent doing that. It's been challenging, but it's also like they're here because of my content and the things that I'm putting out there. They're not here because I can hit a golf ball 300 yards. I cannot do that. They're here to learn about real estate, (laughs) excuse me, through my, you know, what I do in every single day. So it's a really, really good, awesome audience that is interested and engaged, but uh, it was a challenge kind of getting there.
1: Yeah. And and it ultimately it's about putting that good content out there and then people will pay attention and want to follow your stuff and want to learn more from you. I have to say before we really get into this, uh, I am a little bit concerned because I did see something about you. Being about twenty five million dollars in debt, something like that.
0: A little over twenty five million. Have you ever heard me say that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I promise he's not actually concerned. I'm
1: not. No, I I kind (laughs) of teed it up for you. Why don't you maybe uh, take a, you know, a little bit of time to kind of explain, you know, what your emphasis is on real estate investing, and, and 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 obviously you're not afraid of debt. So
0: yeah. So my, my goal in real estate and as I'm, you know, doing more things and, and you know, uh, accomplishing more, it kind of went from quitting my job to creating generational wealth. And now it's creating generational impact is kind of the, the, the phrase that I'm throwing around today. We'll see what it changes to. But in order to, like, create wealth, something substantial, if you don't come from money and you don't, like, inherit money or have millions of dollars in your savings or checking account, it's almost nearly impossible to create wealth unless you're willing to borrow money like i always say jeff bezos started amazon by borrowing money distribution centers books consigning books selling books um you know and warehouses and trucks and zuckerberg started facebook in his dorm but then got an angel investor to increase the you know people and the coding and everything to make it monetizable so then he could sell then pay the investor back so that's how the world works we're just not taught that growing up the only way to quickly create like substantial and like i guess you know impactful debt would be to borrow money it, it, you can't just snap your fingers and create money you can snap your fingers and borrow other people's money and buy assets and if you're if you're borrowing money to buy you know investing debt then it's a good investment as long as you're you know managing your property but if you're borrowing money for consumer debt you know a car a boat that stuff's fine too but that that's not a way to create wealth people think that all debt's the same and it's just simply not if you Borrow money to buy something that you couldn't buy unless you borrowed money, and that thing you bought pays the person you borrowed the money back from, and you get to have that asset. You didn't use any of your own money. It's kind of a, a like a shortcut, I guess, but it still takes some work. We can kind of dive down those paths as you guys see fit. But just borrowing money to buy assets to produce cash and grow in value is the way that most people create wealth, whether we're talking uh, you know online form or you know real estate. Mm-hmm.
2: So where did this mindset come from? Like did one day you just wake up and be like, I'm, you know, everyone tells me debt's bad and forget them, debt's good and I'm gonna take on a lot of debt. Like, how did that happen?
0: I think it's just understanding that that I'm not the only one that does it. I just I guess have caught, you know, had the the guy that's kind of been labeled it because I talk about it all the time. But people do it at way higher levels than I'm doing it and ever will do it. You know, most people like syndicate to buy apartments, that's borrowing money. You borrow money from the bank. I think it just got educated on leverage. If, if you wanna buy $100,000 in stocks, how do you buy it? $100,000 in cash. If you wanna buy $100,000 in crypto, how do you buy $100,000 in cash? If you wanna buy $100,000 in real estate, you can either put 20% down and have the bank do the other 80%, so your 20 grand controls a $100,000 asset, or you can borrow the entire thing and, and do it with no money out of pocket. So I think it was more just educating myself on real estate, the benefits and the way that the world really works, those who create massive wealth, and then I just kind of slowly stepped into it. I mean, I have 40 million, 42 million dollars worth of real estate now, so that that's you know pretty good. There's some people that would laugh at that, however, you know, it started and kind of stair stepped up. I didn't go from zero to 42, it was 500, then 900, then 2.2, then seven. That you know, it grew pretty quick, but it wasn't overnight.
2: And then you're married, you have a, a wife and two little girls, right? I do, yes, we have um, three girls. Or da- Pete's on team girl dad.
1: Yes, yes. Girl dad. That's yeah. right. girl dad. Know. That's right. Well, even our, our pets are girls. So right. two dogs and a cat are gr- girls too. So I'm really <laughs> outnumbered here.
2: I don't, um, what's your wife think about that? Because I know like in the past, Pete's come to me with some things. I'm the more conservative partner. I shouldn't say conservative because that's like a, a weird word to say these days. But I'm the more um, financially conservative person, I guess, out of us mm-hmm. normally. Right. Um, was she 100% on board from the start? Did, she, did you guys meet? You know, in after your journey through this had already started, like set me up with that. How did that come about? And is she involved in the real estate business too?
0: So no, she's not really involved at all. Um, and like most people, probably Pete included, didn't really communicate everything properly at first. Guys aren't always or guys and girls don't always communicate the same wavelength. So when I got started with this, I had a really good job that was paying me really good money, and I enjoyed it okay. And I was on a pretty good path to, you know, continue to make money and be able to probably retire in my late fifties or early sixties. And you know, I was on kind of that normal path, but I just didn't get as much enjoyment out of that. I was convinced that real estate was a potential outlet to just stack onto that. I wasn't planning on quitting for a while. I just wanted to buy real estate, build some assets, and get some, you know, some more wealth as i was doing my job and that was taking evenings and weekends away and rather than really communicating with my wife the reason behind it i just did it you know i would tell her i was leaving and you know hey i'm going to do this this weekend and you know i wouldn't just like leave and not tell her but i just was buying real estate and she wasn't really bought in she didn't say no but she didn't say yes so after some arguments and some you know not as fun moments i started to actually give powerpoint presentations to her every couple months i would give her a powerpoint presentation and explain this is the goal This is what we're doing. This is my responsibilities. This is my partner, Luke's, responsibilities. And this is the reason we're doing it. And this is the assets that we've already accumulated and kind of got her more on board. And as soon as I explained it to her, A, she understood it and appreciated the communication. Things got a lot easier. And she was very supportive when I told her I wanted to quit my job, which was um, a shock to a lot of people, including my employer, because it was it was a really good job, but um, it just wasn't quite doing it for me.
1: Yeah. Well, well, that's interesting. A couple of things you said that were interesting to me. First of all, I know one of the biggest jobs in any investment that I want to do is selling her first. So, <laughs> you know, it's you get a lot of you get a lot of experience, you know, pitching different things when you've got a wife that you have to, you know, run things by. <laughs> so thankfully, Heather keeps the brakes on, you know, I'd, I'd be probably making too many aggressive decisions if she wasn't the. You know, the yin and yang thing going on here a little bit. But the other thing you mentioned was about quitting your job. Did you agonize over that decision for a while? Or were you just like waiting to hit a certain number that you were like, once I hit that number, I'm out? I mean, did you go through a lot of inner turmoil before you actually just did it?
0: Yeah, there was, a, there was a decent amount of inner turmoil. It wasn't anything crazy. It was a little bit sooner than I wanted. Um, after So I started investing in real estate in 2014, 2015 with Lucas. We did some stuff on the side and he wanted out of his job. So the goal was to build it so he could get out of his job. And he ended up doing that. At the end of 2018, he quit and went full-time. and Or 2017, I apologize, he went full-time. The beginning of 2018, he had been full-time for uh, a few months and I just felt like he was putting in the work he was doing the time and i was not as involved i was not picking up my side of the coin and it just was um something that I felt like was getting away from me and we had rentals built up we had some flips in the pipeline so it was better than it would have been six months before when he quit so that's when i i pulled the plug and quit and it was a pretty big decision and i didn't make as much money for two years so i quit and i didn't like get my salary cut in half but i probably made you know 20 30 percent less than i had made um, you know, those first couple of years. So it, it was a little bit of an adjustment on the home front. But the wealth that I built, the things that I did in those first two years are, you know, compounding times crazy now. And now with all the businesses and systems we've developed, you know, making much more money now. But it was a little bit of a, a leap of faith because it's a lot easier to replace a $50,000 job than a $250,000 job. Those $50,000 jobs are, are, there's more of them out there than those $250,000 jobs. So while it was a good paying job, there was there was definitely some risk involved.
2: Uh, where are you right now? Geographically. St. Louis. Okay. St. Louis. No, we're
0: looking for your address so yeah, we no. <laughs> can drop <by>. like <laughs> Funny,
2: we're around the corner yeah. uh, now. Um, we were actually in St. Louis.
1: Yes, not too long ago. A, a year and a half ago. year and a half ago. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I think I should back up a little because, so you're, you leverage money pretty much, right? So you're, which I'm, I think it's pretty brilliant, actually. Like that to me is the way to do it, you know, because you've created that spread. Like you- I think a lot of people see, you know, $25 million in, you know, in debt and, and they, you know, the first instinct is like, oh my gosh, you know, but when you look at it, your assets are over 45 million. I know you don't want to update your website every week, so we don't <laughs> know the exact. Yeah. Um, but
1: could I think. could be 60 million by now. Right. Know. Exactly.
2: But I think that that's like pretty brilliant because I think that that is how the way the world works and that you have to like expand your brain a little bit to understand it. Like instead of just looking at that one number. Yeah, it would be great if you you know owned everything outright. That, in, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. But like you would then have to create that money before you could even buy it. So then you would have missed out on appreciation and money coming in and, and all that fun stuff. Is your market pretty much St. Louis area or where do you like to invest?
0: Yeah, everything's in St. Louis. Um, St. Louis is just a really good rental market. It, it's where uh, we flip houses too. We we flip about three hundred houses a year as well here in St. Louis. You know, flipping, wholesaling, and fixing and flipping. Not all fixing and flipping. That would be a lot. So, but it, it's all here in St. Louis. I usually tell people that um, ideally invest in your backyard if possible. You kind of have almost like insider trading because there's hedge funds and these big money managers and people that, you know, just move there trying to buy real estate and invest. Well, if it's your backyard and you grew up there or know it better than other people, you kind of can see trends before they show up on, you know, on tax records and websites and things that everybody has access to. So if possible, the type of investing you want to do, I suggest your backyard. But if not, then you can do it remotely. I have, I have a thousand students now and I would say Two or three hundred of them invest remotely, so a lot of people can invest. You can live in California or Hawaii and invest in the Midwest, so you don't have to do it in your backyard. But I do everything here in St. Louis. It's it's just a a good market to do it up. Maybe eventually we'll expand some apartments outside of St. Louis, but right now everything's here in St. Louis.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always always heard that St. Louis is a really good market. Um, also heard the same thing about Kansas City. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I think it probably depends a lot on what your asset class is and everything like that, but. Sounds like the numbers do work pretty well for single family and, and multifamily type units in, in your area. Um, and that, is that pretty much what you're focused on, Is single family and, and some multifamily stuff? Or Hey, everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at LandConquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training and support for building a thriving land flipping business. Once again, that's LandConquest.com. All right. Enjoy the rest of the show.
0: Yeah, single family and multifamily. We have a few self-storage facilities as well, but single family and multifamily are kind of kind of the name of the game right now. And St. Louis is just like a lot of markets—you're not going to get the crazy swings up, but you're not going to get the crazy swings down either. So it's a pretty steady market. You know, growing at, at, at a steady pace, nothing crazy. But you get cash flow and appreciation. You know, you get both to a certain degree. Some markets you can get way more cash flow without the appreciation. And then some markets, you can get a ton of appreciation, no cash flow. So it's kind of that, that middle ground that I like. And is your
1: strategy primarily when you're accumulating these units, is your strategy primarily using the Burr method?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, so that, that's how we pretty much do everything. Our houses, single family rentals, the Burrs method. And then even our apartment complexes, we use kind of an extended Burr method. We borrow the 20% down for the down payment. We borrow the 80% down from the bank. And you know we're buying at a discount, though we're not financing 100% of Price, we're financing 100% of cost. So there's a difference, but then we add value so quickly that eventually there's that equity grows where we can pull out the equity and pay back our private lender. And now we only have a bank note on the property and then, you know, we own that asset. So it's just kind of an extended BERS. We're buying it, we're, um, you know, getting it, uh, you know, fixed up a little bit and rented to better tenants, raising rent, and then we're refinancing and, and paying back our, our private lender at that point and then having just the bank note. So it's a similar process with just with, you know, more doors.
2: What was um your first deal? Like what got you hooked on this?
0: So my first deal was actually just a single family house. So I didn't know about like the refinance and the Burmeth when I got started. Um, I knew that you could borrow money to to fix and flip. I'd seen the HGTV shows and saw some of those guys go to their lawyer buddies and borrow money to flip a house and split the profit. So I knew you could borrow money to flip, but I didn't understand how you could borrow money and buy rentals. I knew a bank would do eighty percent, but you know no one's going to lend you twenty percent for the next twenty five years on a rental on a single family rental. That's just not that's just not realistic. So. I didn't know about that. So we we bought a house to flip it. So my original goal, buy a house, somebody else's money, flip it and take that profit and put 20% down. That was the plan. But through that process, I learned about the refinance method. And we ended up taking that property to a small local bank. They appraised it and appraised it and gave us a check for 80% of what it was worth. And that was pretty much enough to pay back our private lender rather than having to sell it. So it's kind of a way to not back, not put 20% down, you're just backing into 20% equity because the people get confused. The banks don't care about that 20% cash that you give them on a hundred thousand dollar house. They don't care if they just want to finance 80%, whether you give them the 20 grand in cash or the 20 grand in equity. They just want to be in a safe position. They don't want to be a landlord. They want to fund landlord. So if you can create that equity by buying cheaply and, and, you know, rehabbing it, like the bird method tells you to do, then you can, you know, not have to come up with that 20% down, which is how you scale.
1: And when you're acquiring these properties, you know, when you're initially acquiring the properties, are you using like hard money loans or are you using, do you have private lenders set up at this point that will do kind of pseudo hard money loan for you at maybe a little bit better rates than some of the things that are out there, or how are you doing that part of it right now?
0: I would say probably seventy five percent is private uh, money, and then um, a little bit of hard money mixed in here and there. And then we have some lines of credits. You know, we have some paid off rental properties. Part of our goal, we're growing so quickly um, that we want to you know be safe about it. So we're paying off properties as well along the way, a few a year, a handful a year. I think we have about a million dollars of paid off properties now. And then you can borrow you know a line of credit. So a million dollars paid off property you can borrow eight hundred grand. So we can kind of be our own funding source as well. So Mainly private money, still because we're still looking to grow, but a mixture of hard money and then some lines of credit as well.
2: What's the average cost of the properties that you're acquiring?
0: I would say, on average, now I'd say we're probably in them for 150 to 175 grand. They're probably worth 225 to 250 on average, some a little less, some a little more.
2: That's a a good range there. So so
1: you may be like, like, uh, for example, like a purchase price of like 90 and then 60 grand in rehab, and then you're in it for like 150. And then it's worth like 200 and some change, right?
0: Mm-hmm, pretty much. Yep. That's a pretty good, pretty good numbers. Yep.
1: Yeah. And so do you ever get involved in syndications on, on apartment complexes or any of that type of stuff?
0: Not yet. I, I've been told several times that I should do it. And I probably will, especially kind of with the, the social media following that I've been able to garner. I think I could probably um, strategize some content and, and raise decent amount of money pretty easily, um, you know, going through all the guidelines and everything that I'll need to go through. But, um, I think eventually I will, I don't know. I just, it's one of those things where right now I like owning a hundred percent or Luke's and I owning a hundred percent of the assets. When you syndicate, there's different ways to do it, of course, but most of the time it's more transactional and it's more, you know, a smaller percentage of a bigger property. So I go back and forth on, you know, do I want to own, you know, the full, all the whole apple or part of a, a watermelon kind of thing. So I go back and forth on it. I think, I think probably will do it a little bit. Um, cause you can get, to you know, crazy high numbers, crazy quickly. Um, so I probably will, but it, it's kind of nice to just the pride of owning your assets in St. Louis, making St. Louis better, taking distressed properties, fixing them up and, you know, renting them to nice families and selling them. It's, it's kind of a, a local feel to it. So I think eventually we'll go down the syndication route, but, uh, not, not this year, maybe next year.
1: Yeah. It's like your system, you, you know, it works. You're just rinsing and repeating. And I'm, I'm with you. It feels like, um, you know when when you're controlling that asset 100%, it's like you're calling all the shots on it. you and your partner are calling all the shots. You don't have anyone else to answer to. I mean, obviously you pay the bank, and uh, they'll be fine with you paying them as long as you keep making their payments. They're not going to care. Yeah, so I'm with you on that. You know, I, I, the syndication is very, really interesting route, and you see people really doing well with that. But there's a lot to be said for the other side of things as well. Have you ever looked into doing, say, a um, raising like a debt fund or something where you could you know, kind of finance your you know that twenty percent on all these different properties or or something along those lines.
0: We've kicked it around a little bit. um You know the and there's not as many. You know if if you're transparent with a handful of people and like commingling funds and all these things, there it, it's usually actually not too bad. It's when you're like you know soliciting out to new people and all those SEC laws and regulations. So we kicked around the you know uh, kind of raising a fund or a debt fund type of thing. Um, that's maybe a a step before the syndication, maybe, maybe not, but we just have developed enough relationships over the past several years with private lenders that we have a handful of them that, you know, help fund our business as well as our our flips and our rentals and our apartments that uh, we just haven't had to go about that yet. So uh, we slowed down the buying a little bit the past six months just because the Market shifting a little bit, interest rates are a little bit higher, but we're still we're still buying rentals here and there, just not as aggressively. But maybe when we get an a influx of deals and and apartments, maybe we'll have to start something like that.
2: How old are your girls?
0: Ten months and six years. I was going to uh-huh. ask
2: you if they're interested in real estate yet. The ten month old has she expressed any interest yet?
0: <laughs> she, she has not. She's just about to walk, and she just took her swim lesson this morning. So she's she's focusing on getting those teeth in, and you know. She doesn't like milk anymore. She just wants food because it tastes a lot better. So that's kind of her her plan every day. And <laughs> yeah. to, pull our, to pull our dog's hair out. that's a, that's her goal. <laughs> well, Such a funny. Yeah, age.
1: she's got time. She's yeah. got time. Yeah.
2: How about the six-year-old? Does she tag along?
0: Uh, she does a little bit. I really, um, especially at first, um, when, when, when she was younger, she would tag along a little bit when she was real young. We would drive for dollars and she would sit in the back, let let mom sleep in on a Saturday. and We'd drive for dollars and do things, but she was younger. Um, now that she's kind of involved, she's a first grade school friends a little bit more. And I try to, you know, focus on, you know, spending time with them and, you know, being now that I have the business and we have, you know, 38 employees and it's kind of set up a little more structured. I try to kind of keep them separate a little bit as much as possible, not as much as possible, I guess, but I try to keep them separate to a certain degree. So um, she has some interest in it. She likes the the social media stuff. She tells her friend, her dad, Tells her friends, her dad makes TikToks for a living. So she, uh, she likes that part of it, I think, more than the real estate side so far. But hopefully um, over time, she'll garner some interest.
2: Yeah, she's got some time. I mean, at six, I guess she's a little bit behind on <laughs> six. Isn't yeah. that funny? You really have a curve. Yeah. <laughs> Your partner. So you have a partner that, did you guys start from the beginning together doing this or did that evolve? Like, how did that happen? And did you, yeah, how did it happen?
0: Yeah. So we, we started from uh, day one together. So we've actually been friends since middle school, but really good friends, played sports together, um, went to partial part of the college. He transferred to my college where I went to. So the second half of college, we we lived together and went to college together. We had a, a painting business in college that we painted you know, decks and fences and houses and things like that on the side and in the summer. So we'd always kind of done things like that. And then he moved to Kansas City. I moved to Missouri after, after we graduated and uh, we talked about doing something and he got a house out there and and kind of saw that he didn't want to be an engineer for the rest of his life. He hated it, so he started to look at other things. And we were you know best friends, so we kept each other abreast of what we were doing. And you know he sent me Rich Dad Poor Dad. I read it, and we started talking about real estate. And you know that was 2011, 2012, and then a couple of years later we uh, we made the jump and and did it together. And a lot of people are you know should you go into business with friends and family? And so we kind of did the opposite of what a lot of people do. It's like should you do business with your family and friends? And I remember we were meeting one time and. We had probably bought 15 or 20 rental properties and we're like, we feel like we could do something really special. So should we bring up the people we love and care about with us or should we kind of leave them away? Like most people say, don't mix family and business. And we went the mixing route. So we're, you know, been best friends. Our families are good friends. Lucas's uh, brother-in-law, the, the guy that married his, his sister, is runs our biggest company, our flipping company that flips 300 houses a year. And, you know, I'd say... 20 of our 38 employees we knew at a pretty good level before we hired them so you know we're, we've gone that route and it's just all about the right culture the right expectations get them on get them on on the bus and we've had to move people around companies and roles but they're our friends who are the right people it's just on us to give them the best fit so it, it's worked out pretty well so far so we'll see where it goes
1: well that, that's cool I mean you've you've sounds like you've built a pretty cool culture. And then by building this culture, it's easy to track you know, the plug, right people. Yeah. Yeah. Attract yeah, the right people. And when you plug in new people mm-hmm. in your system, like they, you know, everyone as a collective group kind of helps bring them along the way you want things to run. So, so important. So have you know. ever, ever had any like big disputes with your partner where, where, you know, anything serious or is it just kind of all, you know, I, there's always tempers and, and stuff like that, I guess, but.
0: <laughs> Nothing too serious. I, um, we got in a couple of fistfights in college, but I think alcohol had to do with that. But other than that, who won, um, who won? uh, (laughs) I I think both of them ended, ended pretty, pretty abruptly, but, um, I think, uh, I think it's one of those things where we each just have a mutual respect for each other. And, you know, if somebody's really passionate about something and a decision, the other one usually uh, relents if they have a a differing decision. And, you know, it's we just trust each other and and understand it's just one decision. And, you know, if I disagree, that's fine, because, you know, I'm not really involved in the flipping company very much. That's kind of Lucas's baby now. And. Um, you know, his brother-in-law Matt's running it and I'm my baby's kind of the education company, the branding, the social media stuff. And I have a, a different Matt that helps me run that as well. So, um, I don't really have a ton to say in the decisions that they make about the houses they buy. And I haven't even I can tell you one address of the 300 houses we bought last year. So kind of keep those separate divide and conquer kind of thing. And he doesn't really have any say in any social media or anything we do or our mentorship or anything like that. So, you know, we're together, but we respect each other enough and have the confidence in each other that you're making the right decisions. And if if there's ever a decision, you know, we've had some spirited conversations about it, but it usually cooler has prevail, And and we either come to a middle ground or one just kind of says, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll let you have this when I get the next one kind of thing. Yeah, I
1: mean that's uh, that sounds like you've got a you've got it all worked out and and what I took from what you just said is the uh, focus is really important. Like you've got your stuff that you focus on, he's got his stuff that he focuses on. And you're able to grow the collective organization, you know, so much faster, probably because of that focus. It's like when everyone tries to be in all these different roles at once, it just causes a lot of problems. <laughs> so the education side of things, you have a lot of students, I, I'd imagine, with the type of social media following that you have. How many students do you think you have?
0: Uh, we're, we're right at about a thousand students. And, and we started the mentorship in November of last year. So we're going on about 15 15- Fifteen months and so a thousand students. So it's been it's been it's been growing like crazy.
2: Oh that's great. Tell us about what kind of education products you offer.
0: Uh so yeah, just uh one thing right now, just how to how people telling people how to build a rental portfolio. It's called the College of Rental Portfolio Online. It's uh uh just teaches people. It's a mentorship. And I, I tried to do like a boot camp and a flipping and then we were just doing too much. But what I'm good at and what I'm passionate about is buying rentals with other people's money. So created a mentorship around that we don't need a, to get into the nitty gritty. You don't want to be a sales pitch or anything, but it, it's pretty powerful getting a thousand students, 80 to hundred a month. And, you know, it's not a heavy sales pitch. It's, you know we give you seven weekly group coaching calls, one-on-one coaching calls, a Facebook group for 24/7 support, 350 videos, 5 to 10 minutes me walking through everything to do, all the resources. So we just like give you something that's worth 10 times what you're going to pay and then you pay it and then, you know, most people see the benefit and create wealth, you know, the benefit is wealth creation.
1: Yeah, so I mean, so basically it's it's your whole business model. You're showing them exactly what you're doing and how you've been able to Create this wealth for yourself and income for yourself and uh, show them how to do it, right? And jump ahead. Like you started in 2014
2: and it sounds like this is something that helps them jump ahead to, you know, all those years and all that learning that you had to do. They don't have to spend that many years, you know?
0: Learn from my mistakes and take the proven path that I've already walked. And it's not going to be easy, but it'll be easier. I'll keep you, keep you in on the highway out of, out of the ditches more to say than anything else. Just kind of be your guardrails and you still got to do the driving, but I'll, I'll keep you from hopefully making too many bad mistakes. And just an efficient path to, you know, wealth is why wouldn't anybody want that? I, I've noticed two things, a lot of things, but two main things with all the successful people that I've been fortunate enough to come across via social media and all the things was. Every single one of them wishes they started earlier, every single one. And they all pay for some type of help, whether it be a a marriage coach, a life coach, a mentorship, a mastermind. Every single one of them takes money out of their pocket and gives it to somebody else to learn how to do something more efficiently. So I spend $100,000 a year on like masterminds and and leveling myself up and being better and being around better people. So I live it and teach it. So I also, you know, I'm not just going to sell something, I'm going to actually invest myself. So it's one of those things where it's a. People, I don't know if it's vanity or ego, they just think they wanna do it on their own, but they either don't start or they very, very inefficiently grind the wheels very slowly because they're not asking for help.
1: Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. I've struggled with that over the years. you like, you know, I think that sometimes I'm just kind of not sure if if whatever program, you know, someone is offering or something would, would help me in, in a certain way. And uh, it's important though, like once you identify something or some program or something that could really help you out and kind of speed up your progress, then what's holding you back from na- making that decision. So
2: I know, but I think the other thing too, is that even the ones that maybe don't deliver exactly what you're looking for, you still end up learning an infinite amount of stuff. Like, I don't think there's ever been a pro you know, like a product we bought that we're like, Hey, this is, we, we right. got nothing out learned. of it. Yes. You know, yeah. also I'm stealing the saying you said on the highway and out of the ditches. Like I'm totally going to st- Oh I, yeah. I, that is going to be like Good. my new tagline. Yeah. Okay. Well, I liked that one. I steal one.
0: all of it. We can, we can also go um, out of the dishes. You can also go out of the gutters. You can be like bumper for bumple balls for, you know, bowling. Like, you know, you're not going to roll a strike every time, but you won't hit a gutter ball. So we can do all the analogies. I, I can got see all the of social them. media
1: post right now with your face and it says, stay out of the, you know, I stay on the you, highway yeah. and, and stay, stay out, out of the, the ditches. Country. you know. Anyhow. Um,
2: I love those things. I'll get it wrong though. <laughs> I, I will totally botch it, but it'll be fun. The variations I come up with.
0: That's all right. That's that part of it. Uh, creating content on social media, especially short form content has like forced me to like simply try to articulate like that's what video will do well because they all don't do well. Very, You know, you just see the ones that do well because they show up on your feed. The ones that I do that are crap, which happens all the time, you just don't see because you're probably not poking around my page. But it forces me to try to create complex topics and think of things like that, either metaphors or just simple ways to say things. And those are the videos that do well. Well, let me ask you this.
1: Obviously, you put a, a lot of effort or, or maybe your team puts a lot of effort, but it seems like you put a lot of effort into your social media posts like you're really you're really working hard to educate and, you know, provide, the value. Yeah, provide value and kind mm-hmm. of take all these topics and kind of take them from a different angle. I, I'm just impressed how you kind of plan all this and, and post so much content. Like, tell me about that process for you.
0: Yeah, so it's it's the focus of mine. It has been since 2020 when I started. So one of the the benefits that I thought that has come to fruition is, you know, multiple streams of income and not relying on one source. So the education company was not very profitable for, for two years. Just since we started this new mentorship program, you know, we like I said, we tried boot camps, tried other things, weren't very profitable. I was also growing the social media brand. So, you know, we didn't know and knew our name but I was able to live off my rentals and off of not really those, but mainly the flipping company that Lucas was running. So he ran that, kind of held the bag for a while there. And then, you know, I was growing this and now the flipping company, the market shiftings, you know, had a few bad months and, you know, we're holding the bag over here. So those multiple streams of income really, really do help you, you know, potentially try new things and fail for a while until you succeed. But as far as my social media goes, yeah, I've spent 20 to 30 hours on it it gets exhausting sometimes but for for two and a half years literally every single week no breaks no anything it's, it's my focus and it has proven another thing that i you know sometimes get right i get a lot wrong one of them is uh having eyeballs is a good thing it's monetizable says so because we got you know 85 signups in january in the mentorship 70 of them came from social media posts from organic from my followers only 15 came from ad spend. So if somebody sees you on social media, they see that you provide value. You give away a ton for free. They know, like, and trust you, and see that you're a little bit different than that guru in air quotes posting in front of a, a Lamborghini or a private jet, whatever the things may be. They see that you're authentic. Then they'll be more willing to spend money and help their lives, as well as obviously help help ours and grow the brand. And it's just kind of one of those things that has snowballed into a brand that's pretty powerful that a lot of people seem to think is authentic because it is. And I'm the one behind it all. I I have a team to help me edit and do things, but I can't like have somebody else write a piece of content for me and put it out under my name. It's I wish I could, but I'm still the one that kind of drives that ship.
1: I think it's interesting because you mentioned the the 70, I forget what the exact number, but like most of the 75, 85 or whatever came from your organic social media following. And the rest came from ads, a small number came from ads, but i I bet you, if you ask those people, you know they may have seen you first with an ad, but then they probably saw or researched your organic content, which helped them make that decision to yeah. join you in your mentor. Or the other so, way around,
2: they were considering it, and then the ad fed to right, them, and it was exactly. like, you know, I think that what do they still say? You have to see it three times before you'll commit. And
1: yeah, you and know, all what, that ads, you know, <laughs> become so much more effective <laughs> when there's that organic content behind it that that kind of reinforces the things. I think.
2: Yeah, and there's a depth to you on your social media because they can you know, it's not just some random ad, like they can actually, they get to know you in essence, at least of what you're putting out there so that they feel comfortable. This is a real person who really knows what he's doing. It's entertaining. I want to be a part of this.
1: Did you have any pieces of content that like really went viral that kind of like really kicked things off for you? You can remember that really just helped your brand.
0: Yeah. The only, um, you know, YouTube is, is, you know, it's, it's, not as viral in you know definition it's a search engine it's not really even social media but you know the TikToks and the instagram those have the virality to them a little bit and yeah they're they, they each kind of serve a different purpose but i think i just remember i wanted to grow youtube because i thought i could you know make you know five hundred dollars a video and put videos out and kind of be like rental properties and i didn't really have a vision i just was making content on youtube and then i was like all right i'll start an instagram to try to feed youtube and instagram you can message on so i'll do that and then people tell me to start TikTok. this was 2020 It's like, isn't that where like girls dance and shake their butts? Like I I don't like, but then somebody showed me a video on, on real estate that had like 250,000 views. I was like, 250,000 views for real estate. That is insane. So I started to make content. I said, I'm going to make a video for 30 days a day, uh, a a video a day for 30 days on TikTok. And I think by that point, my, I, my Instagrams, I don't even know if I created any posts, a a few views per, per post. And then I think the biggest YouTube I had probably had 150 views. And I think my seventh post on TikTok got 100,000 views. I was like, Holy cow, it was on the Burr method. It was like, use somebody else's money, buy a house, fix it up, rent it, pay them back, and scale. I've done this 150 times and that just blew up. And then, you know, since then, that's kind of started that channel and that kind of bleeds the other platforms. They all kind of feed each other. It used to be somebody would say, I saw you on TikTok, went to your Instagram, saw you were real. Because you know people could make up stuff and then watch your YouTube, saw that you were knew what you were talking about, and now I'm giving you money for your for your course. That kind of is, is what it used to be. Now TikTok's kind of dying a little bit, you know, as far as the education space goes. And I have enough of a following on you know multiple platforms where that's kind of the credibility is not just TikTok anymore. The credibility is the other platform, just my podcast and, and things like that. So they all kind of play a piece in the funnel and capture people at different times, but. You know, if they're on different platforms, seeing me in different places, giving good advice, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. So it's like the a lot of the short form content maybe gets the awareness and the interest out there. And those that are lo- willing to or looking to go a little bit deeper, maybe we'll go find you on YouTube and kind of watch some of your longer videos and really get in depth on some of these topics, I would imagine. So
2: I have to mention that you filmed a video in front of a Ferrari as a joke. Remember that years it was, ago? It was
1: a Lambo. A
2: la- oh, that's what it was. I re- yeah, as a, It was as a Come joke. On, it was a
1: parody. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was on purpose because I saw all those people online and I'm like, oh my god, that was.
2: And then it, it was just was such... so cringeworthy that I was like, we can't even run this as a joke because like I want to vomit.
1: Yeah, I got some good pictures. Yeah, the and- yellow Lambo. Was, I rented it for a day just to uh-huh. take pictures with it and, and do a video thing with it. But funny, but yeah, there's uh those people. I I mean, you still see them out there, and they they still get attention. I guess it's maybe just from
2: it's in every space though. Uh huh. Every yeah. type of influence or every different realm, I should say. Mm-hmm. It, and I hope that's dying off. Yeah. And well, I hope that like people are fi- get they're getting smarter to that.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: I think it is a little bit. And something I've
0: struggled with because the flex videos do better. I occasionally do them. You know, my flex is I'm in debt. That gets people's attention, right? But like the flex of like, I never talk about income or net worth, but the flex videos do get people's attention. And I've kind of been shying away from those recently just because I don't like to do them. I occasionally will do them to kind of re-engage the algorithm. But I kind of struggle with like used to posting stuff that, you know, 10,000, 100,000 views every video. I got, you know, 30 videos on, on TikTok that have over a million views. And like, that's fun. And that's like, feed your ego a little bit. But if I put out a good piece of content that like teaches and it gets, gets 10,000 views and I put out a braggy piece of content that gets a million views, those 10,000 views are probably more valuable than those million crappy views. So it's kind of one of those things where each piece of content has its purpose and serves its purpose. And it's okay that they're not all viral because for a while, thing everything was going viral. I guess I was kind of bragging a little bit and the social media were popping and I was growing my portfolio. So every every video was a new number and, and every video was, you know, I there for a while on TikTok, every video I had, had, you know, 25,000 to 100,000 views, which is crazy. Now we're not even close to that because TikTok's a different animal right now. But just being okay with not blowing up and and taking my ego out of it and just putting out good content, they're not doing as crazy high numbers, but they're still doing good numbers and their quality views. So that's kind of been a shift for me. Go ahead. So
2: okay. I love cutting Pete off. This is like my job in life. To yes. he goes to say something.
0: Let's keep cutting him off. He yeah, I know, anymore.
2: and that's what I do. That I cut him off, and then the the joke is if. Whoever doesn't say it will forget what they were gonna say anyways, so yeah. there we go. No, but two things that you um that you landed on the difference between just straight up bragging videos, like the Lambo one right there that we're talking Lambo right? It was, yeah, mm-hmm. is that what you're sharing is real. That's you know what I mean? like you're <laughs> yes, you this these are legit numbers. This is true. yeah, this it's shocking, mm-hmm. but it's true. Um yeah. and then the other thing you you were talking about was that the value, like, The ones who see the shocking videos, there's going to be a certain percentage of those people who will be interested in in what you're doing. And then there's other ones that are just, it's just interesting and they're just watching it before they fall asleep or whatever. So I think that, you know, that how you have that strategic um, plan to do both of those, that's smart. That's like, that's how it should be. Do you remember what you were going to say? Well,
1: I was just going to say, so you've got, you know, all these views and everything. I'm sure you do get some hate from time to time, comments and things like that. First of all, do you let it affect you? And also, how do you deal with that?
0: It used to affect me a lot more than it does. Um, Just kind of one of those things as you get older and mature and just almost get college to it. But oh, yeah, I get um, I mean, I not as much when videos were really popping, I would get I don't call them death threats. But like I like I hope you die or I got one the other day that I said this as I hope your whole family gets cancer and like things like that, like, you know, and it used to like, you know, that is that so obnoxious, but so many people like that's like a whole nother realm of uh, psychosis. But the people that are like, I truly think you're a bad person and you're evil because you're profit, profiting off of shelter and it should be free to everybody. And like all these things that in reality, like, if that could be the case, great. But the government can't run housing for 150 million houses in the U.S. Like, there's no other option. And I provide good, safe housing at fair prices. We're below market rate usually. We try to charge 90%, give a little bit of break so they stay longer. So we do things the right way. And there are people out there that do things the ba- the wrong way. And for those people to, like, bucket me with the people that do it the wrong way because they don't know any difference, like, that used to kind of be a struggle. But now it's like they're wrong and or, like, I can't imagine, like, being so – like upset with my life or what I did or like being so down that I think it's going to make me feel better to talk crap about somebody that um, that I don't even know will never meet don't under- know their family don't know really how they do things so it's almost and Gary V's helped me with that a little bit it's almost like more of empathy. Now, at this point, if I'm in a bad mood, occasionally I'll snap back, but I try not to. But overall, long-winded answer, uh, yes, I get it quite often. It's not too bad, and it doesn't really affect me too much anymore every once in a while. But it used to kind of really bum me out, but now it really doesn't.
1: With the type of following you have, though, it would be absolutely impossible to to avoid that. And obviously, you can't make everyone happy. There's going to be a certain percentage of people that are going to look at your content and say, you know, this guy's a jerk. I don't like anything he's doing. But they and, don't know him. And, and, and that's and,
2: what I always, whenever, you know, it's just. They don't know him. Yeah, yeah. If it was someone who knew me that I valued their opinion. But you know what I mean? Like if you put it, but I, I'm impressed. that Then like, you would
1: cut him out of your life. Yeah,
2: exactly. I'm like, no, you will tell me I'm perfect. Or Yeah. I think that, yeah, what you, you hit it there. Like you just have to, yeah. it's not you. There's something else wrong in their life. And you just happen to be the person that's there that they can, yeah. you know. Yeah. I yeah, just crazy. yell at Pete if I'm having a bad day.
0: Hurt people, hurt people, like it's saying. So and Pete, the only opinion you should care about is Heathers. That's it. That's right.
1: Well, I'm in trouble then sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, mostly she says nice things
0: about me, at least when I'm around. So I don't
2: know. I have a secret TikTok account where I just complain about him.
0: Yeah. Just shoot me a message, we'll talk about yeah, it. Okay. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll break down all his all his shortcomings.
2: <laughs> he said something <laughs> there yesterday. Are many. You said something like you only made one mistake in your life or so he was just joking. He looked up at me and I was like, wait a minute. Are you trying to say like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, <laughs> it was just, it, he didn't even plan it. It was just good timing, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It
1: just worked out per- pretty perfectly. I know. Um, so, uh, getting back to, I guess, to the real estate and investing stuff, where do you see things going? Do you have like, um, big goals as far as units go or amount of flips you want to do in a year or something along those lines Or like, where's, where's the ship going?
0: So we do. So kind of take a step back before we take a big step forward. Um, Originally, my goal was one house a year for 10 years. So 10 houses in 10 years, that was going to be it. Obviously, we surpassed that pretty quickly. And then several other goals. And then our goal was 25 million real estate by 2025. And we crossed that in like 2020-ish, right at the beginning of 2020, middle of 2020. And so we were setting goals that were big, Seemed big, but like we're, we're blowing past them. So obviously they're either small goals or we're getting really lucky or something's happening that we need to set bigger goals. So we changed that uh, about six months ago. So the new goal is a uh, billion dollars in real estate and to bring an NBA team to St. Louis. So you can't really, you know, blow those out of the water. Um you know, there's reasons for the NBA team that'd be cool, but the biggest reason is it kind of signifies what we want. We want to make St. Louis a, a better place to live for the people living here. I have few houses not in St. Louis, and I am working on some, and, and we'll have more, but I'll always live in St. Louis. That's where my home base will be. We just want to make the city better. And right now, we're probably like 40th on the list for NBA expansion teams, so we'll probably never get one. But if we were, that would mean we made a lot of money. We impacted the city extremely positively. We made connections with the local government and like big billionaires that own NBA teams. And we would be making the city better by attracting a team. And then once the team got here, we would be providing a lot of jobs and making the city more desirable place to live. So just making the community better, that's kind of a like a, you know, a big flag on top of the the ship for that. That's what would signify. So we do not have little goals anymore, Pete. I like it. I love it, actually. I was just
2: like, wow, our goals seem pretty small now. Like, why didn't we include? We just need to bring back a football team to San Diego. Yeah. yeah.
1: The football team is gone. It's probably never coming back to San Diego. But
2: I I like that goal.
0: We lost our football team, too. I get it. I love the thinking, Big. Like, why not? Like, why not you? I mean, there's, like, crazier stuff's happened, which is crazy. The guy who just bought the Suns. In two thousand six he was their their mortgage company did like fifty loans and then they got two thousand and eight hit they blew up and he's like forty three. So I I still got I have thirty five, so I still got some time. So um I mean who knows? But yeah, there's I've, I've noticed around all a lot of these, you know, people and those uh multi centimillionaires and a few billionaires I've talked to, it's just like they didn't come from money. They came from similar situations I did or less. It's just about taking action and getting lucky and having the right mindset and and, and helping people first. And it's crazy uh, It's crazy what happens if you do that.
1: Finding something that works and keep repeating it mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And that's why you've had a lot of success on, on social media as well, because you've been able to stay consistent with that and keep refining it and keep getting better over and over again. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the guy that, uh, I think the guy that, bought the uh, Rams. Uh, yeah, I think he bought the Rams. Is from St. Louis, I think. Is Stan
0: Kroenke? Stan Kroenke. I think, yeah, yeah, from St. Louis, like Columbia area. I don't, I, he has quite a few properties in St. Louis and Columbia, Missouri. I think he's got, uh, he got in with the, the Walmart family that was up this, up this wall a little bit. So, yeah.
1: You got to get connected with him.
0: Yes, yeah, so except he took the Rams out. Everybody hates him. I oh, don't yeah, think yeah. I could oh, I, I, I guess, guess that's, that's a bad before. thing. Everybody, oh. everybody's like okay with the Rams leaving. They didn't love it, but like Stan Crocky, like they hate staying in St. Louis.
1: Oh, okay. So that's what happened. Okay, I'm sorry. I brought up a sore subject. He bought the he bought the Rams when they were in St. Louis, and then he moved them to L. A. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry <sighs> about that. <dude>. That's <laughs> rude. Well, he
2: moved them back to L. A. Huh? Because I grew up in Orange yeah. County, and yeah. the Rams were, you know, five thousand years ago. That's where they were. I don't think so, it was that long ago. Feels like it. <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah. So, you've got the big goals. I love it. Um, I guess. Is that- there anything
2: we haven't asked you that, you know, I always, well, oh, actually, I have a question. I always ask everybody this question. And then I ask if there's anything we forgot, but you make your money in real estate with the, your education company side of things and the other stuff. Um, are you reinvesting all that money back into those businesses or do you invest? Um, your real estate earnings in some other type of real estate or in some other thing? Like we know people who buy Airbnbs or interviewed people or who put in the stock market or where do you put that money right now?
0: Yeah. So up until probably about a year, year and a half ago, you know, I wasn't making like a ton of money. Like, oh, what do I do with this money? It was like, pay the bills, have, you know, a nice house, just built a pretty nice house during the crazy construction prices and everything. So I probably built it for about 40% more than I had to, but that happens. Um, As long as you um, love it. Yeah. Oh, we love it. And so as, as long as, you know, for a while there was just kind of making more than I need to, but not a ton, but fortunately last, you know, year or so, and, and, you know, what things are looking like, it's going to be some decent money coming in. So rather than just buying stuff stupidly or investing in the stock market, uh, Luke's and I actually just started a company at the beginning of the year um, called Invest Loop. And we took one of our COOs from one of our other companies to run this. And we're putting 20% of our profit from all our companies into this company. And this company is going to um, you know, invest in stocks wisely at the right time. This person is going to be in charge of analyzing that. We're going to buy other businesses. like uh, We've been looking at like some, um, some landscape businesses here in St. Louis. We can buy them the employees, the, um, you know, the equipment, everything, and they can do all our landscaping for all our flips and all our rentals and then others as well. So trying to kind of vertically integrate with this company. So rather than us just stupidly investing this more money than we need to live, uh, we created a company to kind of do that for us. We modeled that after pretty smart fellow, Mr. Warren Buffett, Warren Buffet, yes, what he does. He's got his Berkshire active companies, and then he's got his investment companies that take his active income and invest it in other things. So we modeled after that guy's pretty sharp. So that was a great question. Um, so that's kind of something that's new to us that we're as we're coming into. I don't want to say it in the D bag, just coming in a little bit more money rather than just spending it. We don't need it to just. I don't need to buy a million things a month. Um, invest. Gosh, Pete, you
2: uh, need no, to stop no with your No Lambo, spending. no crypto,
0: yeah. none of
1: this stuff. Do you have a great deal under contract? Well, submit it to partnerwithpeat.com. The Partner with Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded.
2: We're not crypto. Okay. I
0: do have some crypto. I... Put a decent money, but a majority of it has been the past six months, so it's already looking pretty good. But yeah, that's just kind of a fun thing. If I, if it's either going to literally be zero or it's going to be like ten million dollars, one of the two in the next ten years, I'm okay either one. That's just kind of a fun thing.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly the way we look at crypto. And like, it needs to be something for fun. It's
0: speculation
1: at this point. I mean, you know, who knows where it's going to go?
2: Yeah, I just I worry about the people who invest their whole retirement. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so my second question: What else? What What didn't we ask you that we need to know?
0: Uh, I'm trying to think the, the vest loop company I was actually going to mention. So you led into that with some other types of investing. But I mean, whatever I'm, uh, you know, that's, we kind of covered a lot of the story. I think just the the biggest thing that I want people to, to understand and, and something that I've grasped in the past year, which I think has helped with education and the income and everything is, I wanted to Like you want to, you see other people's success and you want to implement that, right? Like I, I'm friends with Ryan Pineda and he does all his crazy stuff on social media and and Kong on social media with his living in the mud hut and all these people with these rags to riches stories. And I don't have that. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm just a normal dude from the Midwest. My dad was an engineer for 40 years. My mom was a teacher part time and middle class. Go out to eat once a month, like just like middle lower middle class, but. Like, I'm normal and I've done some really cool things, and I'm leaning into that now. Like, I'm normal, and the definition of normal most people listening to this are probably in my shoes or were in my shoes. So, kind of leaning into that, like, you don't have to come for money and you don't have to come from a mud hut. You can just be a normal, you know, dude or chick, and you can create a lot of special things if if you go about it the right way and follow the right people, get the right circle. So, I think just that message, maybe that, you know, anyone can do this is something that I, if it didn't come across, I want it to come across because I walked the path of, college, full-time job, 17 grand a year, my first year at the full-time job, and then grew it into pretty good income. And then side hustle real estate, full-time real estate, financially free, independent, impacting lives and trying to make the world a better place. Like That path, I think most people want to walk, I think, that are listening to this podcast and not like some fart joke podcast. They're like wanting to better themselves. Don't encourage so- Pete. So a lot of people want to walk that path and I've walked it and I promise you I'm not that smart. Um so I can do it, you can do it too. So just that message I want to make sure it gets across. So I will hammer that, beat the dead horse, all that on that message one last time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that because you know, if you're you're trying to build a presence online, you know, that's one of the things you always hear people say, oh, you've got to have like this story, you know, this Mm -hmm. this kind of tumultuous type story. And you know, why, ma- why manufacture something like that in order to just.
2: <laughs> Most of us really don't. I yeah. mean, I'm sure we could all gr- like marinate some sort of story. You know what <laughs> I mean? Make something
1: sound more yeah. dramatic than you what know? it was. Mm-hmm.
2: I, Pete's parents never owned a house growing up. So I'm going to start really. Started from the bottom. Now we hear.
0: here. Uh, there you go, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, it's. it's yeah. yeah. Well, it, I mean, yeah. It,
2: it, it makes sense for this, like how psychology like psychologically why he likes real estate so much well, i'm like, over
1: the top in exactly. real estate yes. and that's
2: it's helped me as a partner to understand that that this is you know what i mean he wa- he's craving that stability didn't have his child however his childhood was very happy it was not like this was a catalyst
0: like yours <laughs>
2: you know what i mean it was <laughs>
0: no. yeah but i was my parents went to every sporting event didn't miss one we traveled the country we drove everywhere but we tried like super frugal but didn't want for anything didn't know any different incredible parents but wasn't taught like about money, didn't talk about it, debt, you know, don't go into debt, cash envelopes in the, in the freezer to pay bills, things like that. Like it was fine, but just getting out and seeing that you're, you're convinced for real estate, Heather, but like literally 90% of millionaires created through it. And those that aren't even created through it, invest in it to like grow their wealth and tax savings and things. So it's just this vehicle that um, is extremely powerful and, 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 you know, things happen, oh, wait, happened but it's, it's, more bulletproof than pretty much anything else. Even after 08, it bounced back very quickly. So um, just getting that message out on social media has, has been uh, fun and interesting for sure.
2: So where do we find you? everywhere? I know we said it before, but let's say it one more time. Yeah,
0: whatever. I kind of say whatever social media platform you're on. um, At Sam Faster Freedom, follow me there. If you're if you're not on Twitter, don't go follow me on Twitter because it's not good for the algorithms for somebody to follow me and never never go to my page. So whatever platform you're on, uh, if you want more to learn more about my story, just follow me. Um, DM me on Instagram is the best way to interact with me. I answer every DM. You know, I have a system now that if you send me a certain word, I will automatically send like the link you're wanting. But if you ask a question, it'll be me the one answering it. So just do that. We don't need to get into the mentorship and how to uh, just follow me on social media for a while. If if you follow me long enough and you like it, you'll either get a link about the mentorship or you can just ask me about it. And then the other thing is the podcast. I started that Six months ago, it's the only content that Luke's and I do together. He does his stuff. I do, you know, we're still best friends, but we do some days we don't even really see each other. So um, podcasts, we shoot two a week and we just have fun, cut it up, make fun of each other. Most people like the, that banter more than the actual, um, you know, real estate content we put out there, but it's 25 years of being friend banter, you know, so you can imagine how that goes. It's my favorite thing we do and it's doing really well. We, we, uh, we're getting, you know, about 15,000 downloads a month and we, you know, just started a few months ago. So it's really fun. So, uh, the faster freedom show is what it's called. And so check that out. If, uh, they enjoy your stuff, obviously stay here, but in their free time, check that one out as well.
1: Yeah. I'm going to check it out. That Me sounds too. pretty cool. Yeah,
2: I love podcasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have you, you start
2: starting to get hooked on them, right? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, we're doing run right now. So
2: <laughs> something worked.
1: Yeah, she's been convinced trying to convince me for a long time to to get this podcast launch. And we finally did, you know, earlier this month. So we we're, you know, very excited about well, it. We so. started
2: talking about it in 2017. I'm yeah, not trying you know. to place the blame. <laughs> you need to
0: get better in your convincing skills. You need a Seriously. good form of uh, an extra drink or two in the evenings or something. I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, uh, you've been a great guest. We really appreciate your time. Lots of great insight. And uh hopefully
2: yeah. we can have you on again soon. I want to get an update on your progress when you update your website let us know
1: yeah so yeah maybe when it hits 100 million million maybe later this year yeah that'd be
0: good there you go (laughs) i love it i'll come back anytime and yeah the website is getting updated we're doing a complete rehaul so uh hopefully in the next in the next 30 60 days it'll be completely new
1: yeah yeah very good well follow sam on social media if you're not already just no hate comments but all right (laughs) thank you sam bye all right see you Thanks for tuning in. And if you're ready to start turning profit yourself, visit our website at turningprofit.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word by sharing it with a friend. See you on the next episode.